0: You'll find the reading on your sheets, but I I do like to read it from the the Bible. It's very old-fashioned, you see, so I like to read it from the the Bible. Nevertheless, there will be no more gloom for those who are in darkness. In the past, he humbled the land of Zebulun and the land of Naphtali, but in the future, he will honour Galilee of the Gentiles by the way of the sea along the Jordan. The people walking in darkness seen a great light on those living in the land of the shadow of death, the light has dawned. You have enlarged the nation and increased their joy. They rejoice before you as people rejoice at the harvest, as men rejoice when dividing the plunder. For as in the day of Midian's defeat, you have shattered the yoke that burdens them, the bar across their shoulders, the rod of their oppressor. Every warrior's blood shed in battle He will reign on David's throne and over his kingdom, establishing and upholding it with justice and righteousness. From that time on and forever, the zeal of the Lord Almighty will establish this. I don't want to
1: alarm you, but sometimes uh, children fight. Sometimes they fight. I remember a story from childhood this week. My dad was in the bath. My brother and I, my brother's four years older than me, and we got on for most of the time as long as it was about once a year. and So my dad was in the bath, and my brother and I were running around the snooker table. He had a snooker cue in his hand. I had nothing to defend myself with. Uh, and then from the, uh, as the temperature was rising around the snooker table and we were screaming and shouting at each other, my father said some famous words from the bath that all parents say from now and then. Will you just learn to share? Will you stop it? What's wrong? And then the famous words that every father and every mother used from now on, Well, for at least once or twice a week in our household. If you do not stop it, I'm going to come out of here or come down there and sort you out. He was in the bath. We were around the snooker table running round and round. The temperature was rising and action was about to happen. The problem was that his words, his words weren't working. He was issuing commands from the bath. When I issue commands from the study, I'm trying to concentrate, I'm trying to read a book. Perhaps I'm on the sofa having a bit of relaxation, a bit of me time, enjoying the uh, the bounty that is Sky Sports. And I say to our children who occasionally just disagree, occasionally, why can't you just share? There's an awful idea. Why can't you just get along? It's a revolutionary idea. Why don't you share the toy? Why don't you just get along? My words do not have enough power. My father's words did not have enough power. And so he, he got out of the bath. He donned a towel, thankfully. And he came into the uh, snooker room debacle, and he sorted us out. I'll leave that to your imagination what happened next. There are some times when our words as parents, they do not have the power we want. And so we're faced with a choice. Either we keep talking, But if we want to see change happen, we need to do something about it. We need to become in flesh. We need to become real. We need to become incarnate. That is the message of Christmas. Just as parents from the sofa become real in a situation, from the bath come downstairs into a snooker room debacle, As a father comes downstairs from a study to (coughs) sort out a mess around Star Wars toys, imagine that happened even this morning, the message of Christmas is that God has come downstairs. Hmm. That's the message of Christmas. God has come from heaven to earth. God has come from a position of his glory to a position of glory in reality, glory in flesh and blood, glory in history. I want to look at two words from the first passage that we have read this morning. It's on page two of the Bible. It's, an, it's about an 800 year old Hebrew prophecy about the Messiah, about a king who would come. And if you look down in verse one and in verse two on the first page of our service sheet, it says that people are, verse one, sentence one, they're gloomy, they're in distress. Another word is darkness. It's a dark situation in the history of Israel in the world in which we live it was dark it was hard and then light has come into the darkness verse two sentence two see the number two a few sentences down the people walking in darkness have seen a great light and it's a prophecy it's a picture that i want to explain just two words to you from look down to sentence down to number six sentence six and it says for to us a child is born to us the son is given. And as you look down, you can see two more words, wonderful counselor, wonderful counselor. I want to think about the two words in reverse. Counselor, a counselor is someone who gives wisdom. So I want us to think about two words. Christmas is about, first of all, it's about wisdom. And then it's about wonder. Christmas is about wisdom. A counselor a counselor is someone who has some wisdom. You pay a lot of money, 90 pounds an hour, and you go and sit with someone and they listen to you for an hour and then they might say something at the end. But this person that is looked forward to 800 years before his coming, that's nearly 3,000 years ago for us in 2016, this person from verse 6, he's not just a, a wonderful counselor. He's not just a wonderful, wise person. The next two words say mighty God. So this person is not just a counsellor because he's God, he's he's the counsellor. He's the wise person. That's what this sentence says. Boys and girls, question for you. What is your famous, famous, what's your favourite Christmas advert? Hands up please. Favourite Christmas advert from this year. What is it? There's a very mature looking little girl. Yes. (laughs) London Airport one, okay. The Teddy Bears. The teddy bears. What's yours? Sainsbury's. Sainsbury's Wife. Who's in that one? The Clay Models? Yep. A young boy on the end. Um, Polar the Pearl Ex- Polar Express. That's a film that we watched. It's a very bad film, but they watch it. But we watched it in our house. Anyone else? Older, little. Yes. Angelic person at the back. <laughs> Madagascar. I think that's a film when I last checked. Um, I love the Sainsbury's advert this year. I think it's great. I love John Lewis to get it right. It's a little bit, but I'm not sure about where the foxes and bears and stuff kind of bounce around, but who knows? It's Christmas. You know what? What, Whatever your favourite Christmas advert is this year, it's really sentimental. It's a positive view of the world. We just feel... Uh, As if Jack Frost is nipping at our nose. The fire's on, if we've got one or not. There's a really positive view of humanity and of the world at Christmas. But if we're honest, the reality which we live in is far closer to verse 1 and verse 2. It's a dark world in which we live. You turn on the news, you open the newspaper, you click on the internet. It's a dark world. And maybe your world has been shaped like that even in this past year. These two words about the wisdom of God, Christmas is not a positive time of year. According to the Bible, the message of Christmas is actually very it's very confrontational. Because just like me when I was running around, fleeing for my life from my brother with the snooker cue, just like when children squabble and fight, if a parent does not get involved, and if God does not get involved in history. We cannot sort out our lives ourselves. That's why God comes downstairs. That's why God comes from heaven to earth, because we can't sort out the darkness in which we live ourselves. If you come along to Emmanuel week by week, you will find out that we love many, many things about the world. We're in a school. Kids, what's your favourite subject at school? Maths. You're my kind of guy. It's either right or it's wrong. We don't mess around. What's your favourite subject? ICT. Is that something like cooking? No. Sorry. That's computers, I know. RE. Bonus point on the front row. <laughs> Thomas, do you have your hand up? English. I like English. You don't read the fine works of literature? I don't know what you like. Maybe Latin. Come on. But seriously, if you come along to a, a manual week by week, you will find out that although the Bible is very confrontational to the world, we love lots about the world. We love learning about philosophy, people who think about the world. We love uh, great pieces of art. We love music. We love, believe it or not, I do, mathematics. It makes the world beautiful. It makes the world make sense. We love science. We love looking and understanding God's world. We love Listen carefully, worldly learning. But the Bible is very confrontational when it comes to worldly wisdom. Worldly wisdom says there is no God. Worldly wisdom says if we look hard enough, we'll find the reason for our existence. If you look hard enough, you can explain that Mother Nature is in charge. And the Bible says no. There is a created God who is a mighty God. And when we see Christmas and understand the message of Christmas, we can't figure out worldly learning will not give us all the truth we need. Worldly learning will not explain to us the pain we feel when someone dies. Worldly learning will not enable us to forgive people. It doesn't have the power to do that. Worldly learning will not give us all that we need to get through the darkness that we experience every day in our lives. And that's why God had to come downstairs and christmas says god has made the wisdom of the world to be foolishness to be foolishness we're all for worldly learning but worldly wisdom says that we're in control everything has a natural cause but the answers to the big problems of life death suffering the power to forgive people The power to know that we are broken in our hearts, that we are actually rebels. But we can handle our past if we know the wisdom of Christmas, who is a person. And we're going to sing about him again now. I'm going to come back and give you part two in a moment. But Christmas is about wisdom. And this baby is called the wonderful wise person, the wonderful counselor.
2: Luke chapter 2, verses 1 to 20. In those days, Caesar Augustus issued a decree that census census should be taken of the entire Roman world. This was the first census that took place while Quirinus was the governor of Syria. And everyone went to their own town to register. So Joseph also went up from the town of Nazareth in Galilee to Judea, to Bethlehem, the town of David, because he belonged to the house and line of David. (coughs) He went there to register with Mary, Do not be afraid. I bring you good news that will cause great joy for all the people. Today, in the town of David, a Saviour has been born to you. He is the Messiah, the Lord. This will be a sign to you. You will find a baby wrapped in cloths and lying in a manger. Suddenly, a great company of the heavenly host appeared with the angel, praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest heaven, and on earth peace to those on whom its favour rests. When the angels had left them and gone into heaven,
3: He asked them where this Messiah was to be born. In Bethlehem, in Judea, they replied, for this is what the prophet has written. But you, Bethlehem, in the land of Judah, are by no means least amongst the rulers of Judah. For out of you will come a ruler who will shepherd my people, Israel. Then Herod called the Magi secretly and found out from them the exact time the star had appeared. And they bowed down and worshipped him. Then they opened their treasures and presented him with gifts of gold, frankincense and myrrh. And having been warned in a dream not to go back to Herod, they returned to their country by another route.
1: So the first word, class, was wisdom. Christmas is about the wisdom of God. We cannot make it in this world by ourselves. So God has to come downstairs I mean, are you saying to me that God, the uh, infinite, the great, became finite? Yes. Are you saying that God, all-powerful, became powerless? Yes, I am. And I'm saying that happened in history 2,000 years ago. Not because I say it, but because the Bible tells us so. But the second word that you'll find in uh, Isaiah chapter 9, that that sentence 6, and that's on, if there's not too many numbers at the same time, that's on our first page of our service sheet on page 2 sentence 6 not only is god wise he's not a counselor he's the counselor he's also wonderful if christmas is about wisdom the wisdom of god it's also about it's about wonder now wonder is pretty hard to come by unless you are a child There is wonder about the cardboard box, sometimes not the gift inside of it. So you rip off the packaging and you play with, the toy gets discarded and you play with the box (coughs) and you wonder at the intricacy of how paper is mashed together and corrugated. And that's the main thing that you can enjoy on Christmas Day. Sometimes if you remember your childhood, it's a challenge for, for me and for some others in this room, you remember... Chestnuts roasting on an open fire. You remember the smells of Christmas. You remember orange peel. You remember the Queen's Address when she was a little bit younger. You remember warmth. It's just such an emotive, wonderful time of year. But when you get to 40-ish, the wonder gets a bit lost. This was in the paper a few days ago. Festive cheer decreases at an inversely proportional rate to age. Uh, after 40-plus Christmases, there are simply no more surprises left in your stocking. There's no fun to be had under the mistletoe. Leave that to be uh, disputed. Uh, instead, December, <coughs> excuse me, December is a month of stress and shopping. A month tailor-made to leave the middle-aged you feeling battered and broken from ferrying numerous children around to bark at elves. Or to shout incoherently through carol services. I want you to consider with me one word from verse 6. Wonder. Wonderful. Christmas is about wisdom. Christmas is also about wonder. It says this person who is the wisdom of God, Jesus, is wonderful. And those of us for whom English is our first language, we're tempted just to skip over that word. It's uh, synonymous with excellent, excellent, Wisdom or good wisdom or terrific or tremendous, but look down at sentence six with me, please. Wonderful counselor. It says these four titles of this baby 800 years before he's born. Look at these four titles. Number one, wonderful counselor. That means this baby who was born 800 years later, he is the source not a source of wisdom he is the source of true wisdom he's the wonderful counselor look at the second title do you see it in sentence six mighty god that word mighty means hero it means warrior it means conqueror it means someone who faces overwhelming odds in battle and they succeed they defeat their enemies but sometimes it means they defeat their enemies by laying down their life He's the source of true wisdom and he's a hero, he's a mighty God. Look at the third one, everlasting father. This baby is God himself. He's eternal, he's outside, he's beyond time, he's everlasting. And because he's father, not only is he mighty God who's a conqueror and a hero, he wants a relationship with you and with me. And he'll do whatever it takes for that relationship to become real. Look at the fourth one. He's not just a mighty God. He's not wonderful counselor. He's not just everlasting father who wants a relationship with you. He's also the prince of, the Hebrew word shalom. He's the prince of peace. That means this baby is going to grow to be a ruler over a government. And he's going to have power and authority, not just in battle, but as he conquers his enemies, he's going to bring about everlasting peace. He's going to rule and reign over a kingdom of joy and perfection and happiness that will never end. And it's a place ultimately called heaven, when we will be as we were and as we should have been and as we one day we will be. It's the, he's the Prince of Peace, these four titles. But here's the challenge. And it's a challenge for us Christian friends. And it's a challenge for us non-Christian friends too. If you were to believe these things, if you do believe these things, why do they not make a huge, lasting, impactful difference to my life and to your life? I think the answer is in that word. Christmas is about the wisdom of God. But secondarily, Christmas is about the wonder of God. I think we have a wonder problem. If we regained our wonder, I think these four titles of Jesus, these titles that this baby would own, that they would be tattooed on his personhood, if we were to regain the wonder of this, it would change us. It really would change us. There was a man called Jonathan Edwards. He wasn't a triple jumper. He was a pastor in America, and he got thinking about the difference there is between religious people, people who think they are good enough for God on their own effort, if they do enough good works, if they don't do certain things, then God will be pleased with them. If they do certain things, they will gain uh, merit and credit with God. He said, I think I know the difference between religious people and people who have encountered the grace of God in Jesus. They've been born for a second time, they've been born again. I think I know the difference. It's wonder and it's praise. He said this, he says, everybody, I mean, everybody asks God for stuff like the big Saint Nick in the sky. Please help me with this job interview. Please help my child to be safe at school today. Please will you help this terminal cancer to go away when medicine can't eradicate it? Will you do it? If you're there, come through for me, God. We all pray those sort of prayers, don't we? Whether we're Christians or not. Everybody says this. I have this problem and help. But what's the difference between the people who use God as a cosmic Nick in the sky, as a genie. What's the difference between them and people who know God personally, who, who enjoy God and know him for just for who he is? They don't want him to deliver for them. They just want to enjoy him for who he is, whether he meets their needs or not. He says the difference is praise. The difference is wonder. So what is praise? What is someone who is filled with wonder versus someone who's not? What is a praise, a person of praise and a person who is not praising? Another writer wrote this. I think we delight to praise what we enjoy. Because the praise, listen carefully, the praise not merely expresses our joy. It completes the enjoyment. Get that? If you don't praise something, actually you shortchange yourself. You score a goal, boys, and girls at school. Girls, you score a try, you're covered in mud because you're playing rugby, but you put the ball over the try line and your teammates just say, great, let's go back. You're not gonna enjoy it. If you score a try, boys, if you score a goal, if you do a brilliant solo on the trumpet, there is part of our enjoyment where we want to praise you. We wanna say, did you see that goal? Did you hear that concert? One of the great sacrifices that my wife has made, and she makes a bunch. We had the privilege of going to the Grand Canyon, but we had three kids and they were fast asleep in the back. I dreamed of seeing the Grand Canyon at sunset. And I I went way quicker than I should have done through the desert because we were a long way away from it. But we got there as the sun was going down. She said, look, someone needs to watch the kids, you go. And I went and I saw it. It's happening now. Hairs stood on the back of my neck at the immensity of the world that God has made. But do you know what? My joy was not expressed because I had no one with me there to share it with. So maybe we'll have to go back together. She'll hold me to that. Be be a while, but we'll go. Friends, if we were to believe what these... Four titles mean for Jesus it would change our lives. And it begins with wonder and it begins with praise. You can say, did you see that sunset? Did you see that super moon? Did you catch that concert? Have you read that book? Have you enjoyed this fantastic mulled wine at the end of the service or spiced apple drink? Did you see those kids? If you don't do that, you are not expressing the purpose for which you were made which is to worship and to praise. But if you praise music, if you praise sculpture, if you praise a philosophical book that you read, if you praise a great piece of literature that you're enjoying, if you praise a concert that's thrown on in a local school, that is just like a tributary. It's just like a river from God who is the source. He is the one who is to be praised and enjoyed and known and worshipped. Why? Here are four reasons. Because he is the wonderful counselor, he's the source of true wisdom that's confrontational to the wisdom of the word. Why is God to be praised? Because he's the mighty God, he's the hero who defeats all our enemies in battle. Why is God to be praised? He's to be enjoyed and praised and worshipped and sung about with full hearts. Because he is a father who wants a relationship with us. He came downstairs. He's also worthy of praise because he's the prince of peace. He's, He's made a new kingdom that you can be part of through faith in his son even this morning. If you do not praise God, it will not uh, complete your experience of him, Christian friend. And if you do not know God, you will not find the answers for your greatest fears. You will not be able to experience light in the darkness of the world in which we all walk in. But if you do understand the wisdom of God, that's what Christmas is about, the person of Jesus. If you do understand and see something of the wonder of God, that God would even bother to come downstairs, that makes him praiseworthy enough. But if you see something of that, then you will find something in the gospel, in the Christmas message, in the Christian faith, in the Bible itself, that worldly wisdom will never be able to give you. Do you remember those three things that worldly wisdom cannot ever It can't give us fortitude in the face of death. We are not going to be able to die well, die with certainty, die with hope or any uh, joy, knowing about a certainty of where we're going, unless you know the God of the Bible. You're not going to be able to forgive people. You won't have power to do that unless you know the God who's forgiven us whilst we were not friends, whilst we were enemies. Didn't give him a second thought, but he came on the cross and he died for us. Born as a baby, grew as a man, died on the cross, and rose again to his father's side. For the sins of the world, he did that. And so that we might praise his father, who is altogether lovely. And you'll never, ever be able to deal with your past. The wisdom of the world does not give you the power to deal with your past. We've all done things that we're ashamed of. But the gospel gives us a clean slate. Because Jesus came to seek and to save the lost. It's the message of Christmas. Christmas. Here's one sentence for you, and then I'll stop. It's not enough to believe that God is wise. He is. It's not enough to believe that the gospel is true, because it is. You and I need to believe that he is the wonderful counselor. He's the true source of wisdom, and he's worthy of praise. That's what Christmas is all about. The wisdom of God and the wonder of God.